Hey everyone, before the episode starts, we just wanted to let you know we now have a Patreon. Our patrons will get access to episodes early, monthly minisodes, and will be able to vote on the movies we choose. Go to patreon.com slash isitwet for more information. Uh, thanks so much to everyone who subscribed already. You are like the personification of how the movie Blade makes us feel. So thank you so much. Is it wet? Hey everyone. Welcome to Is It Wet, where, you know, I don't know about you, Caitlin, but it's the end of the world, and I feel like Luden declares. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the first place I would, I would, yeah. I'm just a magpie. Um, even <laughs> even when all our institutions fail, I will still want shiny shit to adorn my body. Yep. Today we are doing the 1978 zombie horror film, Dawn of the Dead, directed by George Romero and cut together by an anonymous fan on YouTube, which is the only uh, version of it that we could find. This is not available to rent anywhere in streaming. Yeah, so that is the version we watched, and I was watching it, and I was like, huh, some of these cuts are pretty jarring, and I must not have, we definitely watched the exact same thing, but I I Uh just must not have paid attention to uh, the fact that it was like some sort of edit uh, of the three different versions that are out there, but you know, I think we got the most comprehensive Yes. Look out at Dawn of the Dead, really? Yeah. Yeah, we got the Return of the King extended edition. (laughs) Uh, Dear God, this is still happening, Uh, but I'm vibing. It's it's all good. It's the end of the world and just vibes. Just vibes. Oh, yeah. 1970s. Very excited to be doing this this movie, this strange, strange and uh, delightful movie. Um... Caitlin, before we get before we get into the guts of this movie, um, did you have anything <laughs> wet from your week, or did you consume anything wet? Well, I'm having trouble coming up with something for for this one. This week is just a blur to me. But the thing that I just keep thinking about is, I think it's because uh, we're we're at sort of a turning point in America in in terms of the pandemic where like people are talking about hanging out again and doing things again and while that's mm-hmm. still not like an immediate reality uh I yeah. it just sort of got me thinking about just about events and things that we used to do and stuff because I think mm-hmm. my brain has like not allowed me to think about those things for a while yeah. And I was just like, oh, do you know what I really, really, really want to go to? Like, it would be the first thing I would pick to go to post-pandemic is a renaissance fair, which is so bizarre. Because, like, I have been to many renaissance fairs, but I wouldn't say it's, like, my favorite (laughs) place in the world or something. Just just an estimation. How many renaissance fairs? have you gone to well let's see i went to the one in when i lived in minnesota i went to that one okay and then i went to one in college when i was going to school at the university of florida there was a hogstown ren fair that 
uh, it was literally the town was called Hogstown, and like it just happened to be okay. like 45 minutes outside of uh, Gainesville, and that was really fun. And then let's see, I feel like no, I guess those are the only two that I've been to, but I've been there a, a few nice. times. So I would say in total, the amount of times I've been to a Ren Fair would be six, I think, and. What is wet about that is I just keep thinking about uh-huh. like when you go to a Ren Fair, it's like it's about the foods. All of the foods are like, you know, dripping, whether it's because it's greasy or it's a stew yeah. or it's like something fried, but everything is going so fast and there's so many people that everything's still dripping and like the fry yeah. uh, <laughs> oil and. Yeah, and there's and it's always hot. It's always got to be, it, you know, it's during oh, the summer, and yeah. you're wearing a costume, so everybody's, you know, drenched and out yeah. in the sun a lot. And people are eating like turkey legs in polyester uh, medieval outfits. Yep. People are sometimes wearing a hodgepodge, non-historical. Oh, exactly. Non-historically accurate costumes. You've got some people with with prosthetics uh, to look like, yeah. you know, whether that be some sort of lizard d- dragon hybrid or an, or some sort of elfin uh, being there's, there's prosthetics that are, that are sometimes in play. There's like some people get fancy with like a little, I've seen people with like a little gross little like puppet on their shoulder. That's like a li- their, their little like dragon familiar and stuff. And you know, those people, what have, I hope they've just been, like, doing Twitch shows with those little dragon yeah. familiar puppets this whole time. I hope so. <laughs> I hope the, the Ren Fair community are doing okay during these times. Uh, and during normal normal times, too. I hope they're okay. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the Ren yeah. Fair community. <laughs> shout out. We did say, uh, before we started uh, taping, we had said that one of the first things we wanted to do when, you know, this is over, when we're vac- both vaccinated, uh, is have like a magic mic, magical realism oh, yes. stripper convention weekend. What if we dressed up as magic mic characters and went to a Ren fair and just fully inhabited the magic mic characters and that universe, but in 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 the context of a Ren fair, uh, we're asking people to play pony on a lute. Yeah, we're just, um, Donald Glover shows up suddenly. Donald Glover is there. We go up to, like, one of the, like, places that are pouring flagons of mead for everyone. (laughs) And, like, and I Want It That Way starts playing. And we go up and we, like, Uh we, like, take the mead and we take, like, a chicken leg and we, like, throw it on ourselves. (laughs) And we're, like, how much for the chicken leg? (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, uh, they're like swoons. That man's, uh, that man's piece is so grotesque and large. <laughs> Sounds, however you say that. Oh yeah, both ways sound right. I'll look it up and I'll, yeah. and I'll pick which one it is. But I also think like, you know, that Magic Mike, the Magic Mike XXL boys are like, they are Renaissance men really i mean magic mike is a renaissance man so it's like that you know in all contexts of of the term they belong at a renaissance fair absolutely yeah they would kill it do that 
<laughs> they know how to dress for and uh, and show up to any context, any theme. Yeah, they are professionals. Oh, they love I costumes. Think. Yeah, they love costumes. And I think, yeah, I think they would discover a lot about themselves. And yeah, and I'd love to love to see them joust. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I, I also was going to say they would be all over the jousting. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Sophie, what about you? Did you think about or do something wet this week? I mean, I always, I'm always thinking about, thinking about something wet. Um, <laughs> well, mine, mine was weird. literally just thinking about, <laughs> thinking about a Renaissance fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm always thinking about uh, Salacious B. Crumb. Oh, it's B. Uh, what do you think learned... B stands for? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I know what it is. I know what it is. It's Salacious, it's Salacious Bodacious Crumb. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for those of you who don't know, um, which includes me, because I don't, I'm, this is a character from Star Wars, yeah. uh, called Salacious B. Crumb. We recently discovered that there is a middle name. We're not sure what B stands for. Uh, Bodacious. He is, it's, it's Bodacious. He is a Kowakian monkey lizard who worked <laughs> as a jester in the court of the crime lord Jabba, uh, Oh, Jabba has a full last name. I did not know this. During the Galactic oh, yeah. Civil War, known for his shrill laugh, Crumb kept his master amused until his death during the rescue of Han Solo. Um, yeah, I don't know what the B... I, I, it could only mean bodacious. I don't think... Yeah. I don't think that George Lucas thought of that any more than we did. Uh, so, yeah, I... that. Again, a lot of the lore building in Star Wars is very much a dare. I feel like, like what if, <laughs> oh, like yeah. we dare you to accept this as this as a probable universe. Um, yes, but any, but something wet that I uh, <laughs> consumed, which I can't believe I haven't talked about on this podcast, is I rewatched the pilot for my favorite show I watched during quarantine. Motherfucking black sails. Oh, you looped back around to black sails? I sales? looped back around to bl- <laughs> because I was like, I think I did not love the first season of it uh, because there's there's a lot of issues with the first season. But I was like, maybe I would like it more because like I love these characters and I know the arc they're gonna go on, and so I'd like to see it. I'd like to like pay attention this time. Yeah. So Black Sails is a pirate show. It is both about historical pirates like Anne Bonny and Jack Rackham and Charles Spain. And it is a prequel to Treasure Island. So there's Long John Silver in it. And it's like how he became Long John. How he got the long. How he became long is is a big arc in the show. He's just John Silver (laughs) at the beginning. It is so fucking good. It's like what... Game of Thrones wishes it had this kind of narrative, these narrative arcs, this these satisfying ending. Um, it is so good. It's it really jump started my real fixation on pirates for a while. In court. Mm-hmm. that was pre podcast, mm-hmm. but that was intense. I was really into pirates. But okay, so it's very wet, not because of the sea, because of the dudes, because of the men mm-hmm. in the show. Yeah, there is just. Just the sweatiest, grimiest, 
dudes on a boat just hanging oh, out, yeah. uh, discussing uh, representative pirate ship democracy and the balance of power. Nice. Ex- exploring uh, queer liberation, anti-capitalism. Yeah, that is something that I have learned recently, that historically p- pirates were super anti-capitalist and super gay. And that's yes. like not something that we learn, uh, even though right. it totally makes sense now that I'm thinking yeah. about it. But that's awesome oh, to hear yeah. that that's represented. Yeah, in that they show. would have uh, like sea husbands. At sea. Yeah. Um, yeah. You would have a boat husband and people were just like, that's cool. That's That, that makes yeah. sense. They were like, this is the lifestyle that we're getting into. You think we're going to like also bo- like hold ourselves to follow. Yeah. <laughs> like, w- yeah, weird gendered things in society. Why would we follow weird uh, heteronormative uh, gender gender norms like why would we follow any of that we're we're literal yeah. pirates yeah. Um, yeah so this 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 show it does not romanticize pirates uh it like shows that they're also like they are still profiting from this sis- this yeah, yeah. system of like colonialism and and they like murder people uh, <laughs> that's it's also a thing they do. Fair, um, but yeah. it is so exciting. But this sweaty dude, like, John Silver is this, like, he's this slippery, sweaty, grimy little little man, and I love him. Captain Flint is, like, this, like, very serious, stern, total uh, uncut gems energy, just constantly, <laughs> constantly putting in a bigger bet, constantly Adam Sandler and uncut gems, but on a boat. Um, and you're, like... You're like, you're like, you have to, you have to slow down. Uh, great female characters. And yeah, I, I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, it's, it's sweaty. It's grimy. There's blood, there's gore. And it is produced by Michael Bay, which is funny because oh, the first season is more conventional and spoilers. And then the second season is where they, it gets really gay and they're like, okay. they're like, oh, all of these characters, there's a lot more uh, queer male characters in the second season. So I wonder if they just didn't tell Michael Bay about that plan. Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, they were like, no, there's, th- there's going to be like lesbians in the first season. But they just didn't tell. Oh, no, actually, yeah. most of the characters are queer. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, they were like, can't we just make the show that we want to make from the first season? And they're like, shut up. We need that sweet, <laughs> sweet Michael Bay money. We need that sweet Michael Bay producer money. Shut up. We'll do what we want when he gets bored and do- needs to do something else. Just trick trick Michael Bay. Do it for Megan Yes, Fox. more people. Please trick Michael Bay into making <laughs> gay media for for us. <laughs> gay <laughs> feminist thank you. media. Please. Yeah, put like a, put a pack of Marlboros and a shiny sports car under a uh, large cardboard box with a stick and then just (laughs) yank it out and trap him in there forever. And he never gets to make any more movies. He needs to be stopped. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So... Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, I was excited to watch this movie because I feel like it's, um, I know, like, the concept of 
zombies like ex- must have existed before this movie but this movie yes. must have really been because it, like a lot of the imagery in this movie is used just still to this day uh in in horror mm-hmm. movies and I feel like this movie must yes. have really like set the stage for a lot of that yeah no definitely the um roots of zombies as a monster comes from Haitian folklore and uh definitely has been very very appropriated by American culture Mm. and cinema but you're right that George Romero started and invented like started the the sort of this sort of uh American uh cinematic zombie uh zombie movie he Mm -hmm. He was the first and this and uh, starting with the Night of the Living Dead, which um, which I had seen before, but hadn't seen this one. And I would say that this one definitely establishes a lot, a lot of tropes, a lot yes. of ideas, um, while also being like really weird and unique. And like a lot of the ideas in this movie, I haven't seen in a lot of uh, any movie, but yeah. especially zombie movies. Um, but Caitlin, what is. So not just to this movie, but what is your relationship to zombie movies? Oh, um, or zombies? I guess I don't have like a really vivid relationship with them that I can articulate very well. Other than I really see zombie movies, uh, at least how they've existed in uh, in like books and movies in America, I guess, like as just a a straight up metaphor for disease um, for like a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the lens that I've always viewed stories about zombies. And of course there's like our fears about that is what drives Mm -hmm. is what drives zombie stories. But there's like also a lot more that you can look at. And there's a lot of other lenses you can look at zombie movies with. So I would say that, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to articulate it. I don't seek them out necessarily, though. I watched 28 Days Later, I guess, mm-hmm. when I was in undergrad and it it like blew me away. I was just in a mm-hmm. place in my life where it affected me greatly. I have a feeling if we if we rewatched that movie, uh, if I rewatch that movie now, it would also have a, a big effect on me. But yeah, I I guess I love I love the use of zombies as as metaphor for stuff because it's mm-hmm. so rich. It's so rich because you go through mm-hmm. a process of dying and then you reawaken or you never quite die, you become this other thing or like depending on whoever's telling the story and it's a thing that affects your brain because you act differently when you are this person and there's themes of are you still yourself or are you this other thing which does appear in this one too um it's just really 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 rich for for storytelling and for Mm -hmm. metaphor so I think I I I love I love zombie stuff um I want to seek out more of it what about you well I think zombies definitely had like had a moment in the 2010s like there was kind of and 2000s like there was like we were kind of inundated with a Mm, lot of yeah like the walking dead and stuff yeah yes in college i loved it Mm -hmm. um i really loved particularly i loved uh the walking dead game not i didn't so much love the the show Mm -hmm. um i did read the comic which is just has like 
you know, host host of its own problems, but is is interesting. Uh, the the first season of the Walking Dead game is so good and such a moving story told in that in sort of the Walking Dead universe. Mm. Um, it is so very good that that kind of like made me really really obsessed with zombies for a while, and like, yeah. and now I would say that. I probably like our culture right now. I'm a little bit, uh, I've kind of turned away from zombies. Like I'm not as interested in, at least in our um, sort of continued sort of one note kind of cinematic portrayal of zombies. Mm -hmm. And like what I got like, and because I was like really into zombies, I I can talk a little bit about the the sort of like history, but but I get kind of, kind of sick of, like, oh, these zombie movies are so gritty. And like, what if society just breaks down and everyone's violent and everyone, the real, what if the real bad guys were the humans? Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> yeah. is just not an interesting concept to me. And like, right. especially right except, now. Except it was for, because I thought about that too. It I, it was for yeah. Dawn of the Dead. Like, <laughs> yes, it's weird because yes. this, I was like, oh, this is one of those movies where the the real monsters are not the zombies, and and that's true. But this was, I think, like the first one, the first one that did it, it the first it like American the first movie one that did this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was a, it was kind of like nuanced, and it had something to say about like our current or current nineteen seventy eight. That's where I'm living, baby. It's always 78 in, in my brain. It definitely does speak to a lot of a lot of things that haven't gone away. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Consumerism, uh, capitalism. Yeah, that hasn't got uh, racism. That has not gone away. Do you know what I think has gone away slightly, though, which is like not to nitpick, but because the level of consumerism is more. But malls, you know, like malls Malls, are not. Malls are 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 dead. Yeah. 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 But the idea of malls, the idea of a a virtual mall, like obviously that still exists. Yeah. So if this came out today, it would the zombie me wouldn't know why why I was doing this. Um, but I would lo- be logging on to Etsy and just <laughs> yes. clicking over and over again. Yes. And I don't know why, but I knew it was important to me. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's I'm just me pure every instinct. Today, but yeah. <laughs> I don't ever actually oh buy anything, but I just scroll and Oh, yeah, just just like... scroll. Just scroll. Imagine my life. Yeah. Imagine my life if I had that if I had that velvet uh velvet robe that <laughs> that trails out behind me into the snow. Wouldn't my life just change? Yeah, so that's 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 uh that's my fanfic of uh, Dawn of the Dead 20, 2021. But yeah, uh, and we'll get it, get into like the the allegory. Um, uh, yeah, but basically, uh, I would say that, especially w- having lived through and continually mm-hmm. living through crises and a pandemic, yeah. <laughs> it definitely gives you a different perspective yes. watching yes. it for sure. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, and we'll definitely get into that. Oh man, so this movie 
opens so chaotically. Yes. Oh, I love it. I love how chaotically this movie opens. I was like, fuck yes. Don't. Do not clarify anything. If you clarify something for me, no I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah. It, it really, because like. I we don't even need to say it but we will uh-huh. like obviously it just like puts you right in there and it, it right. you feel that chaos you feel what everybody's doing uh it, you you feel what everybody's going through and like talk about viewing something differently I I I think this like viewing things differently now having sort of lived lived living through a pandemic yeah um yeah oh boy does this feel like I mean it is the the first few days of like literally this time last year where I everyone at work they're at their radio station or their tv Mm -hmm. station um and they're at work and they're like everyone's like what the fuck are we like are there rules still why are we here do we still need to use our badges like are there and this was this was me a year ago like (laughs) this was march 2020 yeah yeah. and it's and like and there's a little bit of it's it's bizarre watching it because i didn't this is the first time i'm seeing this movie so i don't know what it would have felt like not having gone through something like this i'm sure it still would have been like scary and chaotic but seeing it it was almost like i don't know a little bit of a lot of stuff in this movie i didn't expect to be so calm while watching it i thought it was going to make me a lot more anxious and it didn't because i was like it, it was a little bit we were validated right that you're seeing like yeah. the moments the most terrifying moment of this movie for me mm-hmm. where I where I started to get really anxious was the I'm not really sure who everyone was I know there's a scientist and I know there's someone who's not quite a scientist because mm-hmm. they're saying you scientists always do this and um oh boy that scientist character where <laughs> yes he first of all I think he was the best actor in the movie. Um, but oh yes, yes, a hundred. The, the only person who it seemed got the full memo <laughs> that there are zombies. Everyone else was just like, "This movie was kind of like an ASMR experience. Oh, it was very sure, chill." Yes. People, people acted upset, but they were having like a good time. There was a lot going on, sound mixing wise. Uh, was there? Which yes. we'll get into. Yeah, that was the only guy who was like, this is an apocalypse yeah. movie. Everyone else was like, I'm hanging out. It's 1978. Uh, we're wearing polyester. But yeah, that moment where they're where they're like fight. They're like politicians and scientists and they're fighting about like what the right. Yeah. De- and they're like, I we can't talk about what's right or not if we don't make a decision now. Like th- it's where there's going to be nobody around to make decisions in the future. Like mm-hmm. just the way that they were speaking to each other and the the hope, the hopelessness that they felt like, oh, my God, these are our leaders and they're fighting like this. Mm-hmm. And. And nobody's figuring it out and it, I again it was a little bit it wasn't I wasn't as anxious as I thought I was going to be watching a scene like this because I was like wow to to have someone from 1978 sort of like validating mm-hmm. an experience that you went through very recently it, it's a it's a it is right. wild it, it's it's very I don't want to say like profound but and like I was high while I was watching the movie so like yeah maybe it was <laughs> that but like <laughs> yeah it's a wild way away they threw you in the deep end mm-hmm. and they're like there's gonna be a lot of like NPR 1970s tote bag energy <laughs> and uh we're not gonna tell you who the fuck the main characters are in this you're gonna eventually figure out there's four protagonists 
we're not going to like let you know who they are or really what their names are until like hour one. Yeah, we're going to meander a little bit. Uh, yeah, so the and I mean, it's fine. Um, I this movie, um, I really enjoyed it. It did. Again, we saw the extended fan edit. So maybe people had a different experience. But if people, I feel like people's attention span in the 1970s was different. And I think they could watch this movie and be really riveted by it. And I think for that reason, people were shocked, horrified, and could understand the Watergate scandal Mm. in a way that I think, I think if Watergate happened now, uh, it would, for, it would be a big deal because there's been like eight Watergates every week. And just like, there's a lot to remember and we just don't have that attention span. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so shout out to people in the 1970s. Honestly, do you know what I was thinking about while I was watching this movie? I, I was like, it's so refreshing to know that the zombies aren't going to... When she goes up the <laughs> the ladder, like, into... Yeah. Or when any of them go up the ladder into the uh, air uh-huh. ducts to get into their secret sort of apartment that they've built for themselves in the mall. Yeah. And I know that the zombies, that a shit ton of CGI zombies are not going to climb each other and form a yes. giant, yes. Uh, you know, uh, ladder made of zombies World up a War wall. Z style. And uh, World War Z style. I was like, I'm so I happy don't I don't have, have to worry about no. that. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> That is so st- see. It's just modern zombie movies are so stressful. They, I guess, I guess they're like horror movies, and they're trying to scare me. And I'm like, I don't have time. <laughs> I would rather get some of the political allegory, the hard choices. But if we're gonna do it, let's have everyone dress, have Farrah Fawcett hair, and dress yes. in polyester, and uh, and hang out in a mall. Great, I love it. Um, and that's why I don't have time. I enjoyed watching this more than I would an episode of Walking Dead where they were like, what if people murdered each other? You think? You think about... <laughs> what if it's the people who are the real murderers? Yeah. And also, like, it understand. is obviously, it is astounding when... Like with The Walking Dead, because I literally only ever watched the very first episode of The Walking Dead with the intent to keep going. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a thing I'm going to do every week. And I just never made it past that first episode. But I remember being like blown away by like the, I don't know, whatever they were, the practical effects that they were using for the zombies. There's like that crawling half body zombie in the first episode. And it's like, whoa, Oh, that's like, we get it there. You can make a zombie look like, yes, you can make a decomposing human look really good. Okay. But I do kind of appreciate when they're just like, I don't know, just like put some blue paint (laughs) on the people and just like splash some blood on them. Just I, there's so many of them we got to do in this mall. Come on. I respect the dedication to making zombies look as fucking stupid as possible. (laughs) And that is your right. As the first sort of uh, later 20th century director to to use zombies Mm -hmm. and create these tropes, you can make those tropes 
as dumb as possible. Oh, like, for sure. And then later we can make them look cool and 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 also and I like later. the audacity to be like, this is a good idea. I know that people are going to want to take <laughs> this idea of zombies and run with it and and keep using it throughout the decades after this. Like, you make it look better. I don't need to. I don't need to do everything for you in this first I one. No. Like, I'm setting up a lot for you. Come on and. You know, and that's great. And people did do a lot of a lot of fun things with it. <laughs> and zombies are blue. They've and lost a lot of blood. Yes. Uh, I love the inconsistency between the zombies. Like some were super blue. Yep. Some were just just had a lot of like white face paint on. Um so, like very inconsistent acting performances, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people just kind of like looked like they were super tired. Other people like had full rigor mortis. I loved it. It was like real uh, high school theater performances. <gasps> yes. That just varying levels of commitment of the extras of the ensemble. And I loved it. And of, of the main cast, honestly. But so uh, you've, I just, Wanted, you, so you've seen The Walking Dead episode one. So you've seen uh, Don't Dead Open Inside? Oh, I don't know. What's that? I'm going to send you this meme. <laughs> okay. I just... <laughs> It's when it's when Rick he wakes up from his coma and he's in the hospital and he sees a wall a wall uh or a, he sees a barricaded door that's supposed to say don't open dead inside but it's written in a way uh it's written like vertically instead of horizontally yeah. but if you read it horizontally it says don't dead open inside and i did that with all of the signs in this movie any zombie movie cuz i'm used to the trope of like in uh, The Walking Dead and in The Last of Us and a bunch of post-apocalyptic things and 28 Days Later, people writing cryptic shit on they walls. They do. Yeah, Always they fucking like, love it. Uh, last one, turn off the lights. Last one here, turn off the lights. Uh, like Bible verses. Yeah, he who uh, just, smelt it, dealt it. Yes. <laughs> They're always doing cryptic yeah. stuff like that. And at this point, I'm like, um we've seen it all so i just interpreted just any sign in this movie as as one of those and we didn't really get any good ones um wait okay so i just want to i don't want to clarify like the image i'm looking at the don't dead open inside that's really what they showed in the show that's not that this isn't a doctored image at all No, no, no. It's literally in in episode one. So I started laughing because in in one of the first at the beginnings, uh, when they're in the the basement, Mm -hmm. there's a sign that says, please lock cellar when finished. And I think that that's just like for uh, tenants. Oh, yeah, that was there before. But I like to think that was some sort of. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but I but I just like to interpret. I was like, uh, I just like to interpret that as like as also like, please lock the zombies when you're finished with the zombies. (laughs) Please lock it. Okay, so the beginning of this movie, the first hour of this movie to me is incomprehensible. I don't know if this is the cut. I think there definitely could have been stuff cut out um, that didn't add to, like, the theme or uh, the enjoyment. So, yeah, I was kind of very confused and uh, disturbed by sort of this opening. One of the openings. Not the mm-hmm. not the NPR tote, tote bag. You're talking about uh, the, the police so, officers on the roof opening. Yes, yes. So... 
two of our heroes, I've now pieced this together, having seen the film. <laughs> two of our heroes work yes. at that news station. And then the two other people, uh, or protagonists, um, are, so I looked it up. They're members of a SWAT team. And I was so confused. I was like, are these supposed to be police? Because they were just wearing blue jumpsuits. Jumpsuits, No badges. Yes. And I was like, is that what people wore in the 1970s or did they not have enough money to buy them uniforms? <laughs> uh, I think a little bit of both. I think okay. probably it was... No, I think it was more the, the money thing. It's probably more the <laughs> yeah. probably more the money thing. Yeah, I I struggled to figure out what exactly they were. I thought I I sort of saw them as like um because they had said martial law had been declared, yes. but I think later we see national guardsmen. Right, right. But this so yeah, I think they're just yeah, they're a SWAT team. Okay. On Wikipedia cuz I could not make sense of any of the scenes. Um yeah. it's in this 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 building um in the wikipedia says that these are swat teams and there's martial law that means people have uh have to surrender their surrender their dead but the and this is why i was really really confused because the first night of the living dead is really really good and it like is incredibly it was incredibly ahead of its time because it had a uh it had a black protagonist And the zombies in that were really, like, could be seen as, like, an allegory for racism and white supremacy and for um, Mm -hmm. Cold War politics in the 1960s. And that that, that has something really, like, as far as zombie movies go, it has something really impactful to say about racism. And I think they were trying to do that with this opening scene where we see, like, that it's essentially this building – that, that they say it's mostly, like, Black and Puerto Rican uh, tenants. And they have, like, refused yes. to surrender their, yes. their dead. And so, and it shows the SWAT team, like, basically, like, going to war with them to get their dead. And, like, really upset, upset, upsetting images of, like, of killing civilians. Which yeah. could have been, like, like, explored. But it was like, no, this is how our... Uh, protagonists are going to meet and they're just going to decide you know what the SWAT team is not for us we're going to go take a helicopter and I think the movie had something to say about consumerism and malls and like capitalism but Mm -hmm. I don't think that it fully explored whatever it was trying to do in this first season and then I completely agree yeah yeah don't know if that's the cut um, but it just seems like irresponsible to like have that when when you did explore it in other movies, but I think I think it could have been expanded on because obviously, obviously that's part of like the thing it's trying to say about America. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And it was just like, and we're, this, we're also introduced to the zombies. Um, and are these zombies, Caitlin? Are these zombies made out of cake? Oh, I, right, a fondant. For sure, they're. I mean, fondant, it's they're, they're fondant zombies. Yeah, yeah. fondom zombdont. <laughs> <laughs> they're zombdont. Uh, yeah, I. They honestly, in some scenes in particular, they looked delicious. They, it was delit. They they just trickled like this beautiful blood. Yeah, yes. this like uh, cherry liqueur blood that I was yes. just like, oof, delicious. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I also, I also thought that the zombies looked delicious and it was a little confusing because you see zombies eating each other and getting, getting it, like they're not really eating each other because they, we learned that they don't yeah. eat each other, but they're, I think in some yes. scenes they definitely are like kind of tearing tearing them they don't themselves know. they don't know yeah they're tearing yeah. each other apart and when they like there will be an axe that goes in somebody's head or like a screwdriver that goes in somebody's ear and every time the yeah. way it goes into the uh the zombies uh flesh is definitely the it, it it's right. the consistency of like a, a cake covered in in heavy fondant yes yeah. yeah yeah i mean sign me up maybe it was maybe that's how they made it and so like it was a really fun day on set all the time because they <laughs> They could just like eat the cake <laughs> they could just eat the person-sized cake or like or for some that must have been like a prosthetic that they kind of made onto the person yes. and then like it's it's like if you get if if you're one of the extras that has like some cake on you you just get to like eat yourself when you go home exactly <laughs> so the the prosthetic artist was tom savini who went on to become a very, very prolific makeup and effects artist. Mm -hmm. Um, He was supposed to do the makeup for the first uh, Night of the Living Dead, but he was drafted into Vietnam, which is just such a 1970s story. Uh, To have that as your backstory, I couldn't do the prosthetics on Night of the Living Dead because I was in Vietnam. Wow. Um, But he went on to do... um, Many Romero's films, but um, but also From Dust Till Dawn uh, and Machete Kills. So Robert Rodriguez, yeah, um, colleague, totally. I mean, I think Robert yeah. Rodriguez would even say that George Romero is is an influence on him as a filmmaker. I don't know that we yeah. pulled that out in particular when we did Spy the Spy Kids episode, but I'm sure he would say that. So. Yeah, that's really cool that he got to work with one of the one of the people themselves. Yeah, what is a fluke movie if not a well? Okay, maybe zombie that is in a television show for children. Yeah, maybe not specifically the Spy Kids franchise, but a lot of other stuff Robert Rodriguez does. Um, uh, I don't know. I think uh, Dawn of the Dead is more like Spy Kids than it's like World War Z. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to no, say you're right. that. You're right. No, that is, no, that's, no one would argue with yeah. you. Yeah. From like a uh, sound effects perspective. Yeah. Yes. So the sound effects, do we want to just like talk? Because I, it, I literally had the thought, I was like, oh, Robert Rodriguez would love, I bet he loves the, the Foley art in this. Yeah. In this film. Yeah. When a zombie is like, uh, munching on someone mm-hmm. or gets shot in the head. It's a very soft noise. Yes. There's no hard, hard crunch of bones or like, how are you still like gunshot wounds here sounding in movies? Yeah. Which is disturbing that I know, ex- know so well how that sounds. Um, yeah, it's a very soft, cake like ASMR, very wet. Yes. Yeah, you had said that earlier. It's it's ASMR, and that's that is so accurate. It, they're very yes. soft sounds yeah. that are that are that you hear. Yeah, very that you hear very loud in your yes. eardrums. Yeah, 
And would you say the first critical wet moment is in the basement of the building where they're just, it's just a buffet, just munching on limbs? Yes, I have that down that that's, that's the first critical wet moment. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a hodgepodge of images that you see down there because like there's raw flesh, uh-huh. but there's the blue flesh and yeah. there's red and pink and white and yeah and I was like I at first I was like oh what was the flesh budget of this movie because there's a lot of just flesh and then I was like I honestly I bet flesh and blood and gore is relatively cheap we, yeah. we know this mm-hmm. uh you know so I bet it wasn't I bet it wasn't even that bad, but yeah, yeah, that the smacking and the chewing that is happening in this scene just ratchets everything you see up to 11. It it enhances everything and it it really turns your stomach in a great way. Oh yeah. It's, it's wild because it's not, it's gross, but it's not just, I think maybe we're desensitized to this kind of gore because it does look really fake. But that in kind of a char- a charming way, uh, yeah. where where for like you have to put your your mindset into someone in 1978. You're yes. doing a lot of cocaine again. Uh, a lot of shit has gone down in the 70s. Yep. Um, it's probably just been a disco demoli- demolition night, which was fucked up. Yeah. Um, you're two two years away from Reagan. Shit is shit is going down. You want to go to the movie theater. You're seeing Star Wars and you're like, I don't understand how, like, what it, like, how is any of this possible? That's blowing your mind. And then you're seeing this and this is like the goriest thing you've ever seen. Because yes. again, you don't have ASMR cake cutting videos. Um, you don't have slime accounts. <laughs> you don't have. Um, so this is really just, dis- I, this is disturbing to you. Yes, totally, totally. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, it's a good time. It's a good time. I realized uh, towards the part where they, everybody realizes that they've, the four main characters have got to get in a helicopter and, and just, just yeet out of there. Yeah. They, and they're all smoking in a tiny helicopter that they're not even sure will carry all of their weight, but all of them are smoking inside of it. They, I was like, oh my God, this is literally just going to be the blob again, where everybody's just going to be on stave, stave. And there's, <laughs> there's a lot of like nothing. And yeah, because one of the, yeah, the yeah. helicopter pilot and guy that works at the radio station and guy that is the love interest of the of the woman he is named steve and so it's a lot of just uh-huh. yelling for steve because steve's yeah. all, it's mm-hmm. always like oh steve and that that was just that was just the blob <laughs> yeah exactly uh no i definitely got some blob energy i would say that again everyone in this movie besides uh again i cannot remember any of the characters names which Speaks to the characterization. Uh, I know I think them. It was... I think it's Roger was the white SWAT team guy. Peter was the black SWAT team guy. And Steve was the pilot. And I think Fran okay. was the Fran. Woman. I, I got Fran. Because uh, okay. I was like, oh, Fran. Uh, yeah. She was so not a Fran, together. though. I don't even like she was <laughs> so not a Fran. Yeah. But whatever. Um, so, um, Peter, mm-hmm. uh, the actor who played Peter was, I thought, 
fantastic again oh he was good kind of yeah. having having a whale of a time like yes to me like loving the apocalypse until the end yes i thought but i thought his performance was really good everyone else is giving me steve mcqueen in the blob reacting yep. to a re- they're just they're reacting to a bunch of extras in blue face paint yeah, yeah. Uh, shuffling around. So again, I can't fault them. But there's, um, there's that's, cake that's sort of everywhere. Energy. That's hard. It's hard <laughs> to really keep yourself in the moment and like really method act when there's just cake yeah. everywhere. Everyone's covered in cake yes. and it's delicious. And it's like, hard, yeah, it's hard to put yourself in that that horror mindset. Yes, exactly. Just fantastic. Um, delicious, delicious uh, intestines and and flesh that that they're eating um okay so we uh move on from the building and you know what i i thought you know what i said during the first flesh eating scene i said Mm, what you know it's a dry wet it's wet Mm. but it's like it is a it is a dry wet it has like been like the 1970s it has just been dusted with a bit of cocaine a bit of mm-hmm. bit of baby powder and so it's pretty wet and like the sounds are wet but there's some still something like slightly dry almost like a sheen of dryness which is usually not mm-hmm. what we see okay so then we're the police are wearing blue jumpsuits everyone and parkas mm-hmm. There's policemen who want to go to an island. Um, oh, yes. They were like, let's get to an island. Let's go to the island. And they were like, what <laughs> island? And he was like, I don't know, just any island. Yeah, I don't know about many of the like Pennsylvania islands. Um, I'm sure, I don't know which one would be the best in, in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Um, <laughs> yeah, here until we get to the mall, we're just kind of like... We're just kind of hanging out. We're flying our helicopter. There's like a Father John Misty farm of, I guess, militias that have formed. Yes, definitely. And then they're like, well, we got a helicopter. uh, So I guess we got to like slice one of these fuckers heads (laughs) off with it. Right. Because like we got I mean, we got it. So that happens and it's great. A zombie just like a zombie just isn't paying attention and just like hops up on something and doesn't realize that the getting a little bit too close to that, that uh, helicopter propeller and just slices Uh, it right off. Just to be like of any movie monster, the ones that vibe the hardest are zombies. They're just vibes. No thoughts. Just, just chilling, just doing, just ambling from place to place. They seriously, they, they are the embodiment of just vibes. They're like, yes, they're vibing on the, on literally the, the base vibration of what, of, of their subconscious. They're yeah. like, I'm just going to let my body take it where I'm going to let muscle memory take over yeah. and see what strikes my fancy. They are literally exactly. just vibing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we see some zombie kids and he shoots them. Oh, I, I know. One of them shoots the zombie kids like a million times. I loved yep. it because in The Walking Dead, whenever you come across like a zombie child, it's horrifying and it's so yeah. upsetting. That is something that Walking Dead does really effectively is zombie children are yeah. a bummer. In this, it's like slapstick. It's like, 
it's like yes people are just punching zombies punching zombie kids and i i respect it honestly oh boy yep oh there's a great line where they are they're filling up the helicopter with gas before they get to the the mall and yeah i forget who it is that says it um but someone hands fran the gas pump and says that's right just like on a car just hold it there until it spits out at you and i was like that's who that's not how you fill up a car you don't fill it up till gas starts squirting out back out at you is that what? how they did it in the 1970s did they not have a thing that like showed you when it was full i don't know it makes me think that's what it was that's so fucking dangerous and everyone's smoking all the time everyone's like smoking and that's Uh, so dangerous yeah i've said that i was glad i wasn't alive in the 1980s i respect people who were alive in the 1970s that seemed wild uh all of everything going on so dangerous all the serial killers but you know the best the best music best fucking music of the 20th century in my opinion good music also i was looking at i was looking at a lot of the men's fashion in this movie Uh, and i was like yes i just need to start dressing more like a man from the 1970s specifically yes you do that's why i that is my aesthetic and i think Uh i will you know start seeking that out more and i think i'm gonna start to feel more more comfortable in my clothing because yeah i was like oh this makes sense that's that's what men's clothing from the 70s gotcha i bought some again uh zombie me went on etsy and bought some 1970s vintage polyester bell bottoms and it has (gasps) changed my life it they're hard to hard kind of hard, hard to get around in but they, it is it will change your life uh seeing yeah. zombies in polyester button downs and bell bottoms and uh fur coats and cowboy hats i loved it i was like yeah i was like yeah i was like yes this this is mm-hmm. great these zombies have an aesthetic and we don't get that from 2010 zombies like we don't see people like there's oh. they never put zombies in like Ugg boots and like galaxy leggings and side bangs. Like we don't, we don't see, we don't no. see that. We don't. Like fuck you, World War Z again. Like <laughs> come on. Not Jesus. one zombie in an Ugg boot. Not a single one. Oh yeah. God. But yeah, the imagery of the zombies in the mall is just. It is. I mean, it's iconic, obviously, but yes, like, yes, it's just it's everything like mm-hmm. and this imagery has to I mean, we it crops up. I think sometimes it's just reference. Sometimes it's yes, parodied. Yes. But I saw this and I was like, oh, so many horror scenes set in mm-hmm. in a mall make sense now. And again, right, right. just a, a yeah. metaphor that's really or a, a scene, a setting that's very rich yes, with, yes. with metaphor. And yeah. yeah, I love it. I love the juxtaposition of, or not even juxtaposition, but just putting zombies up next to uh, mannequins. Yes. It's great. Yeah. Even just for like humor purposes, it's yeah. fun because you get like some slapstick of, oh, oh, he was a zombie posing as a mannequin. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets his head I, chopped off. So uh, it's great. I when they got to the mall, that is when the movie to me really took off. Oh yeah, the completely new soundtrack too, which is yes. great. Uh, they were like, you know what, we've gotten this far. Let's completely change what the score is. 
which could have been a choice, could have been uh, just, you know. Uh, so it, it becomes very synth, synthy. And there's a yes. lot of, uh, when they're on the roof, there is some distractingly uh, loud bird calls. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this with the synth. And I was like, I love this, but I don't understand what's going on. Um <laughs> And apparently, um, we're watching it, and my boyfriend was like, and there's just a, a synth that's like two notes over and over again. <laughs> and he goes, that's the intro to Demon Days, to Gorilla's Demon Days. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's just sound. And we went to it, and apparently the gorillas sampled the synth from, uh, from a random part of Dawn of the Dead. And just in in the intro to that album, um, just as a fun wow. fact. Well, I also I also noticed a weirdly similar fun fact uh, that the music when there's there's a point when they're in the mall and they're pulling down a bunch of metal gates. Yeah, trying to uh, it's one of the many times they were sort of barricading themselves from the zombies in the mall and it's just like a bunch of shots of them pulling down these gates and the music is like it, they use it in the opening credits of Monty Python and the Holy Grail <laughs> and it like I've seen the opening to Monty Python and the Holy Grail like a billion times so it was very clearly that music and I'm just kind of like I just uh, this is just a fun fact and a question mark because I'm like yeah. I'm not really sure why it's clearly from this movie and and then Monty Python the Holy Grail was made after this right so right. yeah it's po- it's possible no. that that it was an homage to this movie would it help uh, to know a little bit about do you, I don't know if you researched about the filming of this no I didn't but it did help me understand why this movie might be so chaotic so okay okay so. Uh, George Romero went to his random mall in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, and he was like, so it's been 10 years since my seminal uh, zombie film that, Mm -hmm. like, was a cultural reset. Um, I'm going to do my second one at this mall. (laughs) It has to be at this mall because people seem really just, like, happy and in a daze here. Mm -hmm. And he's like, like, society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they used that that mall, but they could only use it at night. Um, so it filmed when the mall closed, and then they had to be done before 7 a.m. when automated music came on. And during December, they had to take down all of the Christmas decorations mm-hmm. and then put them back up. Every night? And so... Every night, every oh. night, to the point where they were like, we can't fucking do this anymore. And they took like a month break <laughs> in which he started editing the film he had already. Okay. So, and then once Christmas was over, they went back. Um, but yeah, they took down the Christmas. <laughs> so that's the kind of chaos that was happening. So that might might be like, uh, that yeah. might be a reason why. That helps. Yeah, I was like, they kept they keep yeah. showing me schematics of the mall. Like they keep <laughs> busting those out. I think to just be like, no, we super know what we're doing. We uh, see because we're gonna. Why would we? Why would we reference these schematics so often if yes, we like yes. didn't know? And I kept like trying to figure out where I was in the mall, and they would set. Yes, they keep yeah. setting up this really funny, really fun little uh, diversion tactic that they use they keep doing it where they have like clear glass doors of one department store uh, open on one side of the hallway and on the other side of the hallway right across from that is are the clear doors to a different 
or or maybe the same department store, but there's just like two entrances yeah. right across from each other. So they put the stuff that they want to steal in front of one door and then they go around to the other one and distract all the zombies and get them to like they create a they create a diversion and they get all the zombies to be pounding on that door and then they go back around to the other door yes, and sneak yeah. the stuff out from it. So like the, and they do that several times in the movie and I'm like despite setting that very simple situation up I was constantly disoriented in the mall and I could never figure I could never figure out where we were where they were where they were in relation to Fran where they were in relation to their little uh hidden apartment that they built like it and you can never make sense of it because it's from like what you just said (laughs) (laughs) so yeah this this brings me to a question that I've never asked of protagonists in these films. I usually ask the villain this. Uh-huh. What was the plan? What was any of these plans? I could not. I understand diversions. I think it was just capers. I think they were just like, I think this was like kind of a buddy action film. Oh, yeah. Especially for Roger and Peter. Who had the best connection? Oh, yeah. I even wrote down, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, this has turned into a literal buddy cop film. <laughs> this is a literal buddy. They just are having so much fun. Yeah. Just go. It's not even like, again, and I think this is where we'll talk about the sort of the metaphor that they're really enjoying this mall, and, and enjoy, at least in the middle part of the movie. But I was like, they're not even getting essentials. And I mean, that's yeah. kind of the point is that they're going to yeah. go get stupid shit. But I'm like, what <laughs> What were they doing with the trucks? Uh, what happened? I think like uh, Roger is then bitten. I don't even know. It's not even clear if biting is what turns people. I think it is. Right. I had that question too. I was because at the beginning. They were not clear. At the beginning, the SWAT team is wearing, they're all wearing masks, gas masks and stuff. And I get that, like, it could be because they may use gas in in some way to, and so, but I also, uh, because I'm currently living in a pandemic, was like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of masks. This is something right. a, a disease that's spreading i assumed that yeah. it was there that there could be many ways that this was spread but then like right. pretty early on there there are some very close encounters with the the, yeah. the zombies but they never like yeah. if you have a close encounter with a zombie but you're not bitten people aren't worried about it and then nothing happens to you and also right. they don't even like really check that closely to see if you were bitten there's a couple times where uh steve has like a very close encounter with the with a zombie to the point where Mm -hmm. i thought he got bitten and nobody is even like hey man can we like can we just like make sure you didn't get bitten no No, they don't yeah and and then you're right that that roger gets i was like he totally got bitten he totally got bitten and yet no one is acting like it and then Mm -hmm. Peter says like oh well some guys I've known like it takes a few days but like that's they should still like there should still be urgency and it doesn't take three days for some people so yeah there's there's just like no urgency when people are bitten people (laughs) were chill they were like there's none of the trope of like in zombie movies you know how people are like oh I really don't want to get bit and turned into a zombie these people are kind of neutral about it. Uh, <laughs> um, there was no like hiding the bite. Yeah. Yeah. There's no hiding the bite. Exactly. And then. Which Ro- is such a classic move. And then Roger is like, 
I'm going to try, I'm just going to try real hard not to, uh, I'm just going to die and not come back. And Peter's like, okay. And he's like, no, yeah. I'm going to do it. All right. I'm going to yeah, make sure. I'm going to do it. I'm going to die yeah. for good. I pr- I'm going to do it. And then we have evidence. We have like a, na- a pretty large sample <laughs> yeah. size that uh, right now that that's not yeah. what's going to happen, that you're going to come back yeah. as a zombie. But just to be sh- sure. Um, yeah. Everyone was drinking sleepy time tea during this. Uh, and honestly, that would be me during a zombie apocalypse. I would be yeah i would need to be sedated constantly just to kind of get through the day-to-day to survive so oh, i get it yeah. i get it you gotta be yeah i mean it was the 1970s yeah i think yeah i think they were just having sleepy time tea and valium and that's yeah that's what except was do you know who wasn't chill <laughs> the group that wasn't chill the I don't what are we the road warriors do we want to the the t-birds from yes the the t-birds from Greece and I feel like this was George Romero being like uh he's like okay I'm gonna do some Mad Max at the end and then the filmmaker the filmmakers are like George George listen it's not even the 80s yet like you there's there's already so much synth in here and then but it's not even the 80s yet and you can't you can't just play that music and have the road warriors like this is a zombie movie let's just focus on the zombies and George Romero's like okay but I'm just gonna do I'm just gonna do a little bit of Mad Max just a little bit of Mad Max a little bit of Mad Max at the end but what if they were extras from a high school production oh yeah what if what and it was that campy uh yes I have 50 to 80 minutes uh (laughs) of material on on that which is the very end the very last 15 minutes they're like all right biker gang (laughs) let's go Mad Max let's go Love it. Yeah. Love it. They were not they were not chill. And when we say they're not chill, they had like high school cast party energy of not chill. They weren't like Walking Dead, the governor, uh militia, scary, uh Negan, like that type fucked up. They were like fun prankster energy biker. Yes, gang. you're right. Um which honestly would like to me feels like yeah that 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 might be more likely to happen um in this scenario uh so i do i will say that there is a a, is a story of some of the zombie extras got really drunk at the monroeville open bar there was an open bar hey still open hey it was the 70s all right it was the 70s. You could get drunk you as you wanted at the mall. You can't have a fucking movie set if you don't have an open bar at all times. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> and they caused uh, $7,000 worth of damage. <gasps> so I think that was the energy. Go- which which in 19... 19- which in today's money, that's like, uh, that's like $3 billion. So... This movie Are you was sure they didn't expensive. just destroy all of the Christmas decorations one night and then they had to buy all new ones? Are you sure that's not what happened? Yeah. Also, apparently, the very famous line, mm. when there's no more room in hell, the dead shall walk the earth, which, so badass. And that's the so. only reason I saw the Zack Snyder version in 2004 as a 14-year-old is I saw that in the um, trailer and I was like, that's a cool line. I should go see that yeah. movie. And that was a mistake. But he thought of that while he was drunk. So, all right. Oh. 
Yeah, I'm I'm on like a fun facts about uh, Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> no, that I love that line that no no tell me tell me more about what 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 he he was was specifically doing on a deadline to try to finish the script and so he was getting really drunk and then he was like fuck it (laughs) hell hell is crowded uh don't dead open inside because hell is crowded and the dead are dead here hell hell close dead open also, though, if you look at it a different way, mm-hmm. if there's no more room in hell, if, if oh, sorry, um, if the dead are walking the earth yeah. and so we know that there's no more room in hell, then you're not going to go to hell because there's no more right. room. Right. So in a positive way, it could be like, you know, there's no more room in hell. Everybody has to go to heaven now, maybe. I I think maybe that is the implication is that heaven has a lot of vacancies. Yeah. Oh, I loved I lo- a very critically wet moment in this movie and I I don't know if it's in like the original cut or whatever, but I I would think it would be cuz it just see, it seems important where the scientist with the eye patch who ends up, you know, getting in a fight with whoever mm-hmm. that yeah. yes, that guy um oh, boy. he says the normal question, the first question, is always, are these cannibals? No, they're not cannibals. Cannibalism, in the true sense of the word, implies an intraspecies activity. These creatures cannot be considered human. They prey on humans. They do not prey on each other. That's the difference. They attack and they feed only on warm human flesh. We must not be lulled into the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. They must be destroyed on site and he just he really is not chill but uh but i love i love them really breaking down uh you know what the the type of flesh that these creatures are consuming and yeah what are what are you what can you define yourself by depending on what type of flesh you have it's i just loved i just loved it oh i oh i was like there's a lot of flesh talk i also wish (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I'm I'm in a great place. I know I feel like I can criticize Dr. Fauci. It's fine. Uh, we're a year into this. It's like we're a year we've waited into long this. enough to be able. To- yeah, it's like all right, guy. <laughs> um, Dr. Fauci could have had a little bit of eye patch, uh, waxing philosophical scientist on on the last emergency broadcast. Yeah, just that would have made me feel I don't think I would feel terrified, but I that would have maybe made people a little more alert. It would have been a fun campy. Yeah, thing. if he had more more of a level of the sense of urgency that that. Yeah, dude had. I yeah, agree. yeah. If he just, you know, uh, just started quoting like Dante's Inferno and talking about what it means to what actually it means to be human and how. Yeah, I just got in a little bit more, more apocalyptic about it. No, I agree. When I when I first started seeing Fauci talking Mm -hmm. at the beginning of all this, I was like, if this dude doesn't start quoting some Dante's (laughs) Inferno, I I don't think I'm going to be able to I don't I I don't care. I'm bored. Yeah. If he doesn't put an eye patch on, drop that whole kind, knowledgeable, uh, warm presence he has. And just start yelling um, revelation passages at us. I don't know. I don't know. I, I won't understand what's going on. Ah, uh, boy. So 
we should get into the the metaphor a little bit. It's not subtle. No, no, it is not. But it was more nuanced than I thought it was going to be. Because my thought, what I knew about this movie is that the zombies are supposed to be a allegory or metaphor for consumerism. And yes, zombies are mindless sort of creatures that just consume. That's all they do. Yes. They're just, they just move their body around to consume, which is not, which like, yes, that is how uh, our consumer culture works. It does not really sustain us. It is, uh, it is hollow and it will ultimately just like destroy, destroy our society. Um, so when they get to the mall, the, the, there's a very famous line where they say, um, they're not, and this is what is interesting. So they're not coming to the, the zombies are not coming to the mall for, to feast on, on these four humans. They right, have right. some kind of instinct, some kind of memory of what they used to do. And this was an important thing. This was an important place in their lives. Because most zombies, they're, they're like attracted to noise and, yeah. and to like wanting to eat humans. These zombies want to be at the mall. They want to be vibing. And so that that becomes like, you know, the, me- the the central metaphor. But then we see our four protagonists engaging in the same, even though society has broken down. Currency, no meaning. Survival, tantamount to everything. You see them like risking, like risking their lives to get shit. They basically go shopping, which is like, fun and which we would do yeah. and then oh it's really fun at first it's like they there's like ice skate rinking and there's a rainforest cafe scene and yep. um but then slowly it becomes they realize oh this is kind of a prison and it's not the zombies that are keeping us in here it's the lure of the stuff and everything going on so I just wanted to get that metaphor out out, out there because, like, it's it's not subtle. Um, it's interesting, but yeah, it is. Yeah, I was shocked that so much of this movie took place at the mall, honestly. And I and at one point was like, wow, they just straight up because before they really like they they make the mall their home. They build themselves an a, a, an apartment inside of the mall to live in. To they've wa- um, walled themselves off from the rest of the world and from zombies for a while, so that they live in this this quiet area in the in the mall. And like before they do that, Fran is the only one who's like, "We're not going to stay here, right? right? Like, stop settling down. We'll we'll eat for a second. We'll rest, and then we'll get right. up." and keep going and none of them want to so she ends up just being like well I can't like I don't know how to fly the helicopter so I guess I'm staying here with them and I I was I was really struck by this moment when they they're growing she and uh Fran and Steve are a couple and they their frustration grows every day as they're isolated with each other yes um their frustration grows her frustration is in him trying to act like everything Mm -hmm. is normal and his frustration is like why can't you just why can't we cling to some memories of what of what normal used to be why can't we do some of these things and that both of those frustrations are so relatable right now and understandable and then what he he does what he thinks is a really sweet thing he proposes to her and she says we can't Stephen. not now wouldn't be real and like 
the weight yeah. of that sentence, especially especially right now, is something. <laughs> for sure. And and that proposal scene again is in a rainfor a literal rainforest cafe, just a cafe filled yes. with uh vegetation that just has a very loud fountain in it that I was just like <laughs> Yeah, I, it was extremely wet choice. Very important, uh, yeah. important scene between the two characters, and there was just trickling, and I was like, "All right, um, yeah, I would agree." I yeah. think like there's a lot that it that is relatable, and also uh, this sort of need to like cling on to something, mm-hmm. and that a lot of what is, and I think this this movie makes that point is that a lot of our not just our habits, but our culture is consumption, is the consumption of, mm-hmm. especially uh, if we think about like, particularly for like this setting of this movie, like middle-class suburban uh, Americans is consum- is centered mm-hmm. around consumption and the mall. And uh, so the yeah. point where we're asking people, you know, you need to stay at home and, wear or wear a mask and not go to not go out to eat and not go to not go to stores it is it feels like an attack on like our culture because that's like that's like when you get down to it that's a lot of what our culture is set up around and and that and for a lot of lot of reasons uh that that feels like like such a hardship but we see in this movie that even with the threat of death or literally being dead they do not they do not stop they do not stop consuming and yeah. using that as a way to uh to disconnect disconnect from from, yeah. from what's from what's going on or 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 to serve or to kind of like yeah to hold on to some some sense of of, of normal yeah. of normalcy as you said yeah just either one it's yeah. those kind of it's kind of a slippery slope between those two yeah yeah, and and how interesting it is that the scientist guy, um, one of our favorite characters, that he's like, I don't know, we fucked up really bad, and so literally the only thing we can do right now is just like keep feeding them. Right. And they're like, What do you mean? We can't just like give in to them and just feed them. And he's like, uh, If we don't do that, then they're gonna eat all of us. And so what? And they're they're literally like, You're gonna feed them. And he says, What else are you gonna do? And like we think like oh my goodness that's so crazy and then yet we see the main characters stay at the mall and they stay at the mall till the end of the movie and you're like oh that's what else are you gonna do yeah (laughs) um it's it's yeah one of the characters said like i just don't i can't it's probably be thematic to remember who said it but they say like i can't believe it you know we could hear like these are slow moving these are drunk extras with face paint on in a (laughs) mall in pennsylvania uh we can take them like they're very slow moving and not even like way less scary than walking dead zombies and we could take them like if we just figured it out and we organized we could figure out a way to deal with this crisis with this pandemic Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. But that does not happen. And actually, sorry, I do not want Dr. Fauci. At a certain point, the scientist kind of loses it and, and is like, yeah, we just need to feed them. 
which doesn't make sense. So he offer, I guess, offers like sacrificing people and then proposes nuking cities because the cities are more vulnerable than rural. So the idea, the quick willingness to like sacrifice, yeah, sacrifice people when there are other solutions that would that do not yes that do not involve uh sacrificing anyone right and it's a little sobering to realize like when we see depictions of people arguing outside of the four protagonists it's like very clear that nobody can get their shit together everyone is just arguing Mm -hmm. like everyone has a different viewpoint on it that's why society has broken down and like no one has a solution there is no solution at the end it ends much the same way that 28 days later does a movie that i i love very much mm-hmm. uh that you they just kind of go out to see what is in the rest yeah. of the world like and there's there's no sense of I, actually, I think at the end of 28 Days Later, you do have like some sense of hope. Yeah, but in this yeah. one, you truly like Peter and Fran get in the helicopter and go off. And I think like we feel hopeful for them. Yeah. And the, the music, I think, leads you to believe that this is right. triumphant. But like, who the fuck knows what they're who knows how much fuel they have? Who knows how v- far they're going to get? They have no idea where they're going. There is still no good solution for any of this. I it, it is it is uh it's cool yeah. to see a movie just be like yeah uh you try to figure there's not one single person that no. knows what's going on in this movie <laughs> or there sorry that there's that there's not uh um there's not a character who I don't know there's no resolution there's no resolution right. in this movie mm-hmm. and that how bold to to leave you with that right. and not a no resolution bullshit like at the end of inception where it's like oh there's no resolution no that's not what i mean i mean there's truly no resolution yeah. Yeah. he things just get worse and worse and then the characters go off to see if it's any better anywhere else right. and, and i think that's powerful it's like we don't we can't yes. solve problems in America, uh, we try the same things over and over again because we're we're limited in our <laughs> imagination and what is possible, and also because of the viol- violence in our society too. That's normally how we solve mm-hmm. problems. So any nonviolent or like it's obvious you kind of have to be you kind of have to be violent, but you could be peaceful with humans to get rid of zombies. Yes, it it, it just seem we see time and time again it's not possible and and um. Yeah, and actually the ending uh, was going to be different. It originally, um, it was changed last minute to the point where they set up, they foreshadowed the original ending and then they changed it at the last moment. So George Romero uh, originally had both of them kill themselves at the end. So we see Peter uh, put a gun to his head and then we see, and then Fran was supposed to kill herself because she's in the helicopter then. Yeah. She was supposed to stick her head out of the window and chop her head and have her head chopped off by the propeller. And they decided, and that's why they had the zombie do it to foreshadow it. Okay. Okay. Do you think the message, in your opinion, do you think the message of the movie, the themes, the, the resolution, would have been more satisfying if a woman had purposely gotten her head chopped off by a helicopter. 
Would you, have you been like, yeah, America? <laughs> I mean, like, honestly. That's America. Yeah. It's always, yeah. You just, it you gotta chop your own head it off. It would have ended like that, and then, like, the curb your enthusiasm, like, and then, yeah, that probably would have been a more profound statement to make, honestly. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, so to be, like, I think that ending would have been bad. Yes. <laughs> but not like, not because it like really ends any differently, I guess. I, I'm trying to say that like that would have been too heavy handed because I yes. still feel like these two characters are going to die soon. Like I, I still yes. feel yeah. that way. So yeah. you still get yep. the sense that there's not a lot of hope for these two characters. I think it would have been yeah. too goofy and slapstick almost if, if right. that, the original thing had been done so he still yeah. achieved yeah. i think i i i hope that george romero was still uh satisfied with the ending yes um yeah i wonder which version he wrote while drunk um, <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know tough to tough to know <laughs> tough to say either way because he seems to do his best work drunk no, that's true so maybe yeah. he's like he's like this this fifth beer uh is kind of convincing me that <laughs> I'm a goofy little, I'm a goofy son of a bitch and I should not, I should maybe take out the part where a woman uh, propellers her yeah, own Maybe head if he off. hadn't um, gotten drunk so much, that's the ending we would have gotten. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, it could have been. And then like that would just have been referenced in co- countless movies. I mean, true, since yeah. Then, which we lost out. Yeah, I, wa- I would have loved to see Zack Snyder ruin that yeah another thing that i really loved uh noticing that i was like oh i've seen this reference so much it's it's fun to see the origin of that because i didn't even really realize where it was from was uh a critically possible definitely the the most critically wet moment of the entire movie which is at the end when zombies are tearing apart someone's uh, yeah, abdomen uh, and are, are ripping apart his guts while yeah. he's still alive yeah for the first part of it at it's least horrifying. and just like yeah. just eating it and they're like they're just they're zombies but yeah they're just so passive about it they're just like reaching and grabbing right. and they're not even like that voracious they're all it's it's almost like they're bored right. of it but they all have to keep doing it and um right i know right. that like probably the most recent uh reference i've seen to it is in rick and morty there's it's a parody also of the lucky charms commercials where he's it's like a lucky charms character is like oh i need to get my my strawberry smiggles i'm gonna eat every last one of them because and then they'll be in my stomach and nobody will ever be able to eat them except for me because they're gonna be all inside my stomach and these children come up to him and just tear him apart and start squeezing. So he eats a bowl of Lucky Charms. He eats. The, they watch him eat a bowl of Lucky Charms, and then they start tearing into him and and eating the Lucky Charms from out of his intestines. They're like squeezing his intestines to get the Lucky Charms out, so they're eating them. And they just have these stoic looks on their faces, like they're clearly. And I and I didn't even know that was a reference to something when I saw it. I just thought it was funny. But it's now come full circle. <laughs> oh yeah, it's horrifying. So I have some zombie questions for you because that that the gut ripping <laughs> while the person's still awake. Yeah, that is in like every single zombie movie yeah. since this. 
uh, and and not surprisingly, and and Rick and, Rick and Morty knowing how um, uh, disgusting that show uh, is. referential. Oh, that, and, that and yeah, and pop culture referential. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is okay. So I have some zombie questions. My first question to do with that is like, are zombies super strong, or are we easy, or are they just persistent? Hmm. Are we easy to tear apart? Okay, so here's something. Like, I get a a wild animal could, but we have like fingernails yes i have thought about this and i think yes that we don't even really know how easily we could tear into another human because like <laughs> we don't we we don't do it like we don't, <laughs> right? i don't want to know i don't want to know right because yeah. we don't want to move on from this question exactly yeah. like we don't want to know but i i saw that and i was like i had the same thought and i have had the same thought before and i'm like i Honestly, I don't know. I don't know how easy it would be to rip into another human because I I haven't right. done it, and it's like not like no. societally acceptable to do it. Nor do yeah. I have an interest. As a podcast, we have it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we can we can promise you that. Yeah, it's tough tough to answer. It's like you know, depending on certain situations, regular humans can have kind mm-hmm. of super strength or like can do things that they normally wouldn't be able to do in the in the state that they would normally be in so maybe it's like that where whatever neurologically happens to a zombie it sort of gives them that right right but yeah just to again reiterate like maybe it wouldn't be that difficult to I mean I don't know right and also like zombies can't feel pain right so if you were able to like not feel pain when you start attacking something because you start like if you were to rip your fingernails into something and get it like that would hurt you so you'd stop if you didn't feel pain you'd be able to like keep going right so I don't know right exactly and no that is what is scary about these slow moving zombies is is they're very easy to defeat mm-hmm. but they are persistent yes. they just keep going and, and they have numbers and I think that many zombie movies have made that point that it's just it's that they just just keep on I love seeing them just like keep tripping up the escalators just constantly like I I fucking loved it I loved it so there was there's like a famous zombie zombie extra in this movie oh who is it the Clayton Hill is known as the sweater zombie um and he was described by the crew as one of the most convincing zombies of the bunch um, because of his stiff pose and rolling his eyes back into his head. And he's the one who went the wrong way down the escalator. Yes, okay. And they were like, no one's doing it like that guy. <laughs> I, I remember thinking he's pretty good. I see why he's a featured extra. <laughs> he's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, he's also at the at the end, I noticed. Um, oh, okay. Where, like, he tries to go up the ladder after Fran. Okay. Um, and I was like, sweater vest zombie. Yeah. Um, yeah, boy. Um, my other zombie question is, okay, this is something I've never understood. And I've consumed a lot of zombie media. Yeah. More than me, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I had, I had an issue um, <laughs> in like 2010 <laughs> and 2011 to 2012. Um. <sighs> So zombies, they're going to run out of food eventually. And I think they talk about that. If all the humans are gone, they're going to run out of food. So what I don't understand is that some humans, they just bite 
I guess humans who get away bite and turn and then they disembowel a lot of zombies and then they like dismember them so like if they but you mainly see them like if they can go on full speed ahead with dismembering so how Mm -hmm. are there so many like relatively intact zombies is my question in every single zombie movie and I've never found an answer to this I think they say in the movie that they they like eat a little bit in this movie they, they say that? I get if they eat the intestines I think they're like yeah they have like they just eat the intestines and then they move on but no they were like dismembering and eating like yeah I think it honestly it only makes sense in zombie movies where the virus is something that's passed through saliva or something like where if you get if you get too close to one if you come in contact with one there's also a chance of you turning into a zombie then it makes sense that there's a lot of intact zombies but when it's because you have to get bitten it doesn't make sense that there's so many intact ones because yeah they get they get torn apart I think that's that's my hole that's my hole for this episode is that that's a hole that zombie plot hole is like how in yes if in your zombie lore if in in the world of your zombie story it's not it is only passed on through biting there's not going to be that many zombies that are walking around able to even do this because yeah i i agree doesn't make any that's the only thing that doesn't make sense that's where you lost everything else checks out exactly uh i'm with eye patch scientists about the zombies not about his ideas for uh solving the zombie crisis honestly i don't even think that he like believed in those things i think he was just like you guys the world is done we're done like i'm gonna throw out like i could say this i could say this i could say let's nuke everything like none of it matters we could do any of it or none of it like we're done i think that like that's that was the energy that i got from him i didn't think he was like as evil as he was I think he was right, just like, right. what? We could we could do, we lost. What do you want it to say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to get into some more critical? There's so much, there's so much that I, we could talk about. There's not a lot that happened, but there's so much things. No, that let's just talk. talk about like some, some critically wet, things that we critically consider wet critically wet moments. Yeah. Well, I've said a bunch of mine already. Um, but yeah. so there, this is a critically wet moment when they're uh, first, they first are in the mall and they're overcome with the idea that they could take anything. I think I see some of them eating like caviar. So clearly they've like, yeah, they're, they're indulging themselves and yeah. they're all stealing goodies and shit. And Roger, now he has been bitten at this point. He has. So yes, I yes. don't, I uh-huh. don't know if it's if they're trying to imply that this is because he's been bitten but for whatever reason i think you know what i'm going to say he just goes ham on a jar of green olives and like and then just starts chugging the juice and i'm like is that because he's turning into a zombie because like that was my craving green olives like that doesn't make sense of all the hors d'oeuvres that you could have (laughs) They're the most flesh-like. I guess, his, yeah, because they're, reasoning. and they're yeah. like, they've, they're, they're like eyeballs. Brined. Yeah. yeah, they're like eyeballs that have yeah. been brined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was just a weird, wet choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, he was also like in a wheelbarrow because he's not feeling <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. And he just, they were in this, 
1970s grocery co like crunchy hippie co-op that's inside the mall which i was like yeah grocery store in a mall amazing idea um but yeah also that wheelbarrow i wonder if it was like an expensive set piece because they got their bang out of their buck for that wheelbarrow i that wheelbarrow made it further in this movie than many (laughs) characters i thought (laughs) yeah that wheelbarrow also showed up every day drunk as hell, but still put in the performance. Still carried, carried, literally carried people in scenes. Yeah. We wouldn't um, have had the wheelbarrow for so much of the movie if it hadn't gotten so rip-roaring drunk one night. So you're welcome, world. Uh, yeah, exactly. So some more critically left moments. There's one where uh, one of them, again, I don't know who. I didn't write down because at the time I did not know anyone's names. I think it might be Roger. Just very, again, very lethargically uh, to kill a zombie. Just kind of sticks uh, a screwdriver in a zombie's ear. Oh. Kind of like very, very tactically, but also kind of like, you know, just moseying into killing the oh, zombie. yeah. It was lazily. It was lazily into that cake pudding, pudding zombie prosthetic. And uh, just a little trickle of, of that wonderfully red blood just pools out very wet. They're one of the radio broadcasts or the TV broadcasts. They're like, yes, the president is talking about it. And Congress is working on passing legislation. I'm like, Congress is still they're pa- they're passing legislation. Are are people filibuster like what? I, I know. know. I was like, what where? Is happening? Where are, are they? Where are they doing what? it? Also, because it's they've shown that like everywhere is there's nowhere like cities are obviously overrun with zombies, but also they showed okay. a bunch of rural areas that are also just completely overrun with zombies. Like, where would yes. anyone? Where would one gather? Where are people gathering right, right, right. now? Like, you can't. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I have a critically wet moment as like. Someone, there's like this blood splatter against a windshield and the windshield wipers. Oh, yeah. Uh, to, and, and the sound is like, it's too loud. Oof. It's too loud. I was it's like, too loud. Too where loud. did you get this sound bite from? Yeah, where did any of the Foley and the sound effects? Because <laughs> it was not from a mall. No. Uh, there is a great montage of like zombies in cro- headshots of zombies in crosshairs. Uh, oh yeah, is very stylistic. I liked it. I was like, okay, we're we're seeing some like some experimental cinematography stuff going down. Um, when Roger comes back, he looks very different than the other zombies, which I, I think was a wild too. choice. Yeah. yeah, he looks like the crypt keeper. I don't. Yeah, he just, and he's, he's also walking. He's walking differently too. He's behaving yeah. differently than all, they all have. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Just like not consistency. Oh, Caitlin. What? The pieing zombie scene. Oh yeah, that was goofy. That was just. <laughs> this was campy. That was so That's... campy. Truly, five minutes left in the movie. That's what I thought. I w- I had I have this yeah. written down that I was like, I think it was something. That I I don't know that I have no evidence to back this up, but maybe they just like wanted to try it, and he was like, mm-hmm. "Look, I'm filming so much of this, and not all of it's going to make it to the final cut because it would be three hours long." And right, right. that's true, um, but not quite three hours. But um, yeah, he I think he was like, "So let's." 
let's try this and see if it makes it till the end. Because <laughs> it's like, let's do a it is take. very... Let's just do a silly take. It's not going to be in the movie. Uh, yeah, so yeah. these tough biker gang from from Greece, these high school children play, not literally, but playing tough biker gang yeah. uh, as if they are high school students in a play. They start pieing zombies. Yeah, they're literally like... They're like, hey, boys, hey, should we, uh, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go gun him down, boss, okay? Like, they're, they're very over the top. Uh, so instead yeah, of, high of shooting characters. zombies in the head, they're stuffing their faces with pies. Um, okay, so are they, the where are they getting the pies from? I understand there's <gasps> a grocery store, but those pies would be like months old. It seems like yeah. they were fresh with whipped cream. Unless the our four protagonists are making pies, is the biker gang bringing pies? Are they making them out on the road? Or are they getting them That's what the I was thinking. How would they transport them? Like, they're all on motorcycles. Now, I did right. see that one of them had a motorcycle with a sidecar. So it's possible okay. that to getting to the mall, they put the pies in the sidecar. Uh, that's yes. possible, I guess. But uh, the sidecar wasn't that big, so they would have had to shove so many pies in there, and then they wouldn't have been as intact as they were. Right. Yeah. No, we're not joking. This is not a bit. Uh, the, at the <laughs> end, the like secondary antagonist in this biker gang who are trying, like, who also want to take over the mall, and they like steal money and steal jewelry from zombies. Again metaphor about like just, just consume consuming consuming um they yeah. literally just pie the faces of zombies um and then get torn apart for having a goof and, and i'm so sad to report that i have seen Zack snyder's remake is a very very loose word zombie film of the same name that okay. takes place in a mall as far as i remember i was 14 when that came out I don't think there was a pieing scene, and that is why Zack Snyder is a hack. Oh, yeah. There was probably no other issues with <laughs> the remake. It's why people love that. It's it's why people love that movie almost as much as right, right, this right. movie, this, yes. this very groundbreaking yeah. genre genre creating movie it's like if that had if the pieing scene had been in it i think it would be like people you couldn't tell the difference between them yeah i think Zack snyder was like listen everybody Zack Zack snyder runs a lot of the um the sponsors at the end of our show apparently. oh yeah a lot of those listen everybody yeah. listen i uh understand that movies have themes that are not uh, Christianity and uh, lens flares and things breaking breaking up, but listen, I'm gonna take this this meditation on American capitalism and consumerism. What if we made it super homophobic, Islamophobic, racist, and uh, yeah, a little bit scary and really goofy? Just the lines in it are super goofy, but uh, I put my foot down. There can be no pies. That is silly. That is campy. It can't be in my very serious film. I cannot. That's pro that's definitely that's all what I know was. about Zack Snyder. Okay, so um they're pine zombies. You know, they're trying they're defending their the mall at the end because they're like, it's ours. And it's like, it's a mall. And 
Oh boy. Okay. So <laughs> one of the biker gang members, they set up early that he loves to use the blood pressure machine. <laughs> when they're having fun, oh, yeah. he uses the blood pressure machine. Don't know why. I get it. I always wanted to use the blood <laughs> pressure machine when I was a child, but Everyone like else I is doing hedonism. This guy's like, I gotta use the blood pressure machine. You're in the zombie apocalypse. Your blood pressure's probably pretty high, but what are you gonna there's do about like it? There's also like an entire arc there's an entire arcade. There's an inside entire the arcade mall that they show the multiple times. Arcade. If you like like go play a game. Don't play with the blood pressure machine. And I think the reason they do this is then when the yeah the um, gang members are being uh, attacked, he goes like defensively goes into puts his arm in the blood pressure machine as if he's hiding. I don't know why, just so that they can get a shot of a severed arm in the blood pressure machine, which is great. But like I yeah. was like, what is this character? What is their motivation? I was like, I love this. Um, yeah. Oh, I bet that extra had a whole backstory. <laughs> I bet. I bet they could tell you what the motivation was. What I would. I would love to. I'd love to hear from. Yes. From that. Oh yeah. Uh, that actor. If oh, you're, if you if you're were listening. an extra in 1978 on this movie, please DM me. Please. Ooh, please Snapchat me. Um. And just let me know. Let me know how the pies were. Let me know how the the zombie cake was. Let me know. Um, yeah. Was George Romero mad that you got really uh, dr- drunk and and tore up a mall? I don't know. Was he? Did he join you? I don't know. Yeah. Was it the same night? No, it wouldn't have been. He wrote. He wrote the movie when he was. Yeah, right, it wouldn't have right. been the same. I think <laughs> exactly. I think. He, I think yeah. there was just a lot of drinking going on in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah, uh, George Romero is, and he was an adorable man, and uh, oh, I, he yes, kind of looks yes. like Stan, Stanley, and he's just adorable. Yeah. All right, so I have one last thing that I think can be like a, a closer. Um, okay, so I would have been like eight or nine because this came out in 1998. I on the album "You're Invited to Mary Kate and Ashley's Ballet Party." Um. <laughs> so I was in a dance class when I was eight or nine, and I remember we did a dance to a Mary Kate and Ashley song called "Meet You at the Mall." That song um, and the chorus. I'll sing. Little, I think the chorus, if I remember, is like "Meet You at the Mall." And now, whenever I go to a mall, that song is running in my brain. And we can play some of it. And I actually have not listened to it since 1998. So maybe I'll do that after we're done. But I do have the lyrics. And I think that the lyrics are, uh, they kind of describe, they probably describe the plot of this movie. So um, (laughs) it's very, it's very quick. So Mary Kate and Ashley sing. And on just one of their albums, I don't know if it's maybe they did a video. Maybe it was like, you know, one of their uh, straight to video, VHS uh, classics. On a day like today, I want to show you a place that's always under sunny skies. All the things that we'll see, I can guarantee. Time will seem to fly. We can hardly wait. Senses will be reeling when we go up and down, up, down and around. Meet you at the mall. There's no time to waste. I'm so glad you called. Meet you at the mall. 
an unconditional, wonderful spectacle. Meet you at the mall. There's a merry-go-round, teddy bears and games and clothes that are to die for. Okay. And schools of fishes pass you by as they play on the second floor. Is it really real? What a happy feeling when we go up and down, up and down, and around. It's a fantasy. It's make-believe. It's come. Let's see what can happen. It's mystery. It's feed me. Feed me. Oh, it's up and one, up, down, and around. Okay. This is... A, I mean, this song is an homage. This song and possibly the Mary Kate Nashley movie as a as a whole, yeah. but certainly the song is an yes. homage to George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. It's it it shows it not only shows the sort of at that time in in the seventies, eighties, nineties, the sort of worship of the mall as a social center and sacred space. I mean, it, it really was. Yeah, it was. It was in my of my childhood, the mall. Uh, but it describes the plot of the movie. They talk about like entering the mall. Yeah. And it becomes it, it becomes a hedonistic garden of earthly delights where you uh, where your senses are reeling and you, you just you just explore it. And it's it's everything. But then it is also a, it is just a spectacle and it's fantasy. It's make-believe. And if you buy too much into the fantasy of it, it becomes your prison. And then you'll want more and you'll need to be, then that's why at the end they say, feed me, feed me. Um, Huge, huge Romero fans. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. Very clear. Very clear. Um, And just so... So nice that they were able to just like, yeah, just have a little, give a little bit, give a little homage to, yeah. to this movie and that. All right. So we said our holes, uh, but Keanu, you're looking a little lethargic. He's kind of ambling in into, yeah, into you, the studio. Are you sure you're feeling okay? You have a sort of a blue pallor to you. Yeah. You're, you're sweating. You're drinking an olive brine, like just a jar of olives yeah, are you alright buddy gee, did you get that from my fridge are you just chugging olives from my fridge dude come on man you don't you don't have any holes nope uh yeah I think it's I think really just I I love I really like that we discovered that plot hole of like there would be more there would be less together zombies there would be less zombies ambling around eating other things if in your world the way the disease is transmitted is through biting exactly and and that it's not just like the disease takes over and that's it the disease makes you consume living people hosts yes of it so that's not that's not a great strategy yeah yeah a whole oh boy well the central theme of the movie is that yawning inescapable, dreadful, unspeakable hole that is at the center of the American psyche and American culture. And the only tools that are given are to fill that hole. It's not our interconnected uh, interdependence on one another and our communities. The solution that we are given is to consume and have our identities be based on that. Um, And that's a big hole 
that we're going to have to deal with. And uh, yeah. Boy. Um, So, uh, Caitlin, how wet is Dawn of the Dead? What is your verdict? All right. So my verdict for Dawn of the Dead is... I think it's not the wettest movie in the entire world by any means. Uh, I think it's definitely not as dry as something like uh, The Blob, even though I think it tends towards that end of the Mm -hmm. spectrum. So I would say this is exactly as wet as something critically wet from this movie. Uh, And that's a spam. I think this is as wet as spam, which is, you know, spam we all know is a a greasy, jiggly, ham-style flesh cube. And so I think, you know, it's ham-style. It's a flesh cube. It's greasy. It's soaking in its own brine in the can. And that's how wet this movie is. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah, I would agree that this this movie is not that wet for a zombie movie, for a sort of horror movie, but it had some wet moments and some wet comment, uh, wet themes and commentary Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and wet moments. Yeah, I would say that Dawn of the Dead is as wet as the animatronics from the It's a Small World ride escaping on Black (laughs) Friday and joining a throng of shoppers at uh, TJ Maxx where they mow down fellow shoppers in a frenzy of robot limbs as they rend flesh to get the latest Ray Dunn cookware while the ghost of Walter Cronkite yells from the ceiling duct at what has become of America. And that's the way it is. Yes. Yeah, so it's not terrifically wet, but it uh, there's some wet elements and some wet themes going on. And, you know, a little bit of a uh, 1970s in there somewhere. Oh boy! So actually, we're not doing an advertisement this this episode because you know we think you know as a um, as a podcast that is really committed to getting important information out there that people need. We're actually going to do a public service announcement. Um, and we actually have someone mm-hmm. from from the CDC here. Not We couldn't get Dr. Fauci, uh, unfortunately. So we did get his assistant, uh, Dr. Ipatch McGee, who... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's looking at me very intensely right now. But uh, Dr. McGee, we're so happy. Oh, yeah, he is about to (laughs) he's about to burst. He's very intense. He is super not chill. I, I think he'll have something important to tell us just about public health. Oh, yes, I'm Dr. McGee. I'm Anthony Fauci's Fauci's assistant on his I'm his boatswain on on his ship. And I'm here to give you a little public service announcement. Arr, listen, you get your blood pressure checked. Whether you're out on the sea or you're in a mall and there's zombies coming and you don't know from whence the direction they're coming from and they mean to rip you from limb to limb. That's not an excuse. You get your arm in that blood pressure machine and you check your blood pressure no matter what. And listen, you know, uh, remember 10,000 steps. 
Wow, Dr. McKee, thanks so much. I am sure with the zombie apocalypse. Such a public health figure, yeah. Our blood pressure has been off the off the chart because of the zombies. And uh, I have been getting in my 10,000 steps because of that. So thank you so much. It's great to be doing that. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> that hurt my voice. This has been a production of Mess and Finesse, a comedy label based out of Somerville, Massachusetts. If you want to hear more of this program or shows like this, please send us an email at admin at messandfinesse.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at M-E-S-S-A-N-D-F-I-N-E-S-S-E dot com. And for more content, directory of programs, or information on live shows and comedy classes, please visit messandfinesse.com or follow us at Mess and Finesse on social media. Thank you for listening.